All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we'll begin there, verse number 1. We're going to continue tonight talking about renewing the mind. Um, I'm still praying about this, that renewing the mind is a, is a large subject. We, we could spend many weeks on it. It's an extremely important subject. And so um, we're, we're not going to try to cover everything uh, there is to say about renewing the mind uh, in the time that we have remaining uh, tonight. And so uh, the, the actual counting the numbers of classes and that sort of thing uh, will end tonight, uh, but we may still do some teaching on this subject um, in the uh, weeks to come. So, amen. You just be in prayer with me about that, and I, I know the, the Lord will uh, lead us. Praise God. All right, so Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this passage joins together two very important uh, things for us to understand. He's talking about how we live our lives. We could just, you know simplify verse 1 uh, to say that he's talking about our behavior. But we also see the powerful connection made once again, and it's made throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, the powerful connection once again between our behavior, how we behave, how we live our lives, and how we think, um, the outward versus the inward, the external versus the internal. And so he's saying, do not be conformed to this world. Now, last week we spent uh, most of our time together talking about why we need to renew our minds. In other words, uh, what put us in a position to need our minds uh, renewed. In other words, what caused us to be in a, in a position uh, for our minds to need renewal. And we went into the parable that Jesus taught about the prodigal son or the man who had two sons. And we looked at how the things that that young man, that younger son, younger brother experienced in the world and how those things formed ultimately wrong opinions, wrong thinking, wrong beliefs within him. And, and we see a before and after. Uh, his attitude towards his dad, his love for his father, his, his confidence in his father's love for him before he left home. But then the condition of his mind, his thinking, he kept saying that you know within himself that he was unworthy. And, and then because he saw himself as unworthy, he continued to view and have an understanding of his father as being unwilling, despite his father uh, restoring him completely with the robe, the ring, and the sandals. So tonight, I want us to look at um, some different reasons uh, why uh, renewing the mind is so important. Why is, so that's going to be the question we're going to deal with tonight. Why is renewing the mind so important? Why is renewing the mind so important? All right? And so let's begin uh, here, number one. Um, why is renewing the mind so important? Renewing the mind is how you put off the behavior of your former self and put on the new man created in Christ. All right? So I know that's a, kind of a lengthy answer. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, and we'll see what the Word of God has to say about this. So renewing the mind is how you put off 
the behavior of your former self and put on the new man created in Christ Jesus. When we did an, an in-depth study of our salvation, we said that Jesus came to save us from more than just bad behavior. And He came to save us from more than just wrong or incorrect or bad thinking. That He came to save us from the corrupted seed of Adam. He came to provide a way for us to be born a second time of a new seed, and that new seed has now enabled us to become partakers of the divine nature of God. And, and that transformation is complete. We are complete in Him, and it took place at the very deepest level of your existence, what the Bible calls your spirit. Okay? And because God created us to live from the inside out, we see that in order for the reality of our new birth to become an outward expression of life, our minds must be renewed. Our minds must be reconditioned. And, and you're going to see that, that in Scripture, the different things we look at, that, that our ability to enjoy what belongs to us as born-again believers is directly connected to the renewing of our mind. This is why the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John said this in 3 John. He, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. So we see that in order to experience um, the health and prosperity that belongs to us as blood-bought children of God, we have to renew our minds. Because the, the same Bible that, that speaks these things to us says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you can be a born-again believer with wrong thinking and not live like a born-again believer, but live more in tune with the person you were instead of the person you became in Christ Jesus. So let's look at it here. Ephesians chapter 4, let's begin at verse number 17. It says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. So let's talk about this for just a moment here. Remember, the book of Ephesians is written to born-again believers. He's talking to men and women who have already experienced a new birth. They've already become new creations in Christ Jesus. He, he calls these men and women brethren. He, call, he, he, he refers to them as fellow people, fellow members of the body of Christ. But notice he says to them that they should no longer walk and and. And, and this word walk is not just, you know, talking about your gait, you know, how you pick up one foot and put it in front of the other. He's talking about how you live your daily lives. He's talking about just the, the, the way you go about, you know, living on a moment-by-moment -moment, uh, basis. And he says that we should no longer walk, live, as the rest of the Gentiles walk, live. Now, someone who is a Gentile is simply means a non-Jewish person, but in a New Covenant, New Testament context, a Gentile is referring to someone who's not been born again. It's, some, it's someone who does not have a covenant with God. So he's saying to people who do have a covenant with God that you should not live as people who do not have a covenant of God, a covenant with God. So that you should not walk, you should not live as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Notice he says, in the futility of their mind. If something is futile, it means no matter how many times you try it, it's not going to produce the result that you want it to produce. So that, that would be something that is futile. 
And so he's saying to born-again believers that they're living like, like, like Gentiles, or living like people who don't have a covenant with God, uh, walking, living in the futility and the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So notice alienated. To be alienated means to be separated from. So he's saying that um, because the, their un, the understanding is darkened and, and, their, and their minds are not renewed, that they're living like outsiders. This is maybe the simplest way the Lord's ever given me to, to explain this. He says you're living like an outsider, but you're not an outsider. You're living like somebody who's on the outside uh, looking in when you're not outside of the family of God, the covenant of God, the love of God, the blessing of the Lord. You're not outside that. You're inside that. You've been brought into these things. These things are, are yours. They're in you. You're in them. But notice again, he says because of the way they think, they're living as outsiders even though they are not outsiders anymore. Now, let's keep going here. Verse 19. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But notice he says, but you have not so learned Christ. You have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, I want to point out this word here that, that translated into our English, learned. You have not so learned Christ. Some of you, especially those of you who've been a part of Heritage for a while, I mean, we have, a, we have a room here at the church that's referred to as the Manthano Room, okay? Manthano is a, uh, is, is a key uh, word uh, in our culture here at Heritage. And it's because the word Manthano is, um, is a discipleship word. And uh, it's been months ago now when we broke all this down from the Scriptures but a methetes or a methetria, original language words here, gender specific. Methetes is referring to a male disciple. A methetria is referring to a female disciple. And, and from that we get this word manthano. Manthano means to put forth an intense effort to learn by experience, right? So he's saying you have not so learned Christ. You have not so experienced Christ, right? If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. The truth is in Jesus. So clearly, clearly he's referring to discipleship here. We, in, in, in the West, in Western culture, we hear this word learned, and, and I don't know about you, but, but my first thought, even after all these years of, of, of teaching these things, my first thought is sitting in a classroom learning, right? Um, being taught. Well, teaching is important. Being in a classroom and learning is important, but Jesus didn't just teach in a classroom. He, he wanted people to learn things by experience. So he says, you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you've heard Him and been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now, notice that verse 21 ends with a colon. So the sentence continues, and, and this is where it really, really gets good, all right? He says this, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt, according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Right? So I've said some version of this many, many times um, over our uh, you know, class, you know, class time together, and, 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 and I'm, I'm going to keep on saying it, right? 
When you were born again, you became a new creation. When you were born again, you became something and someone that you were not before. Something tangible, something measurable, something verifiable took place deep inside of you. The new birth is not a figurative experience. It is a literal experience. Okay, So you became a new man. You became a partaker of a new nature. Your old man was buried with Christ and he left him there in an unmarked grave. And when you were born again, you were raised up together with Jesus, a new man to a new life. Praise God. And we've covered those things extensively and exhaustively. I bring them up again here, though, because I want you to take what we've talked about concerning those things and, 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 and use them uh, to better understand what he's saying here. That, that there are born-again people who still struggle with their former conduct doesn't mean they're not born again. It doesn't mean that they're not members of the body of Christ. Remember, Jesus said He's not ashamed to call you His brother. Amen. Even though you're still in a process of being sanctified and, 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 and learning how to overcome some of the struggles of your flesh. But here He's telling us how to do it. Here He's telling us how to put the old behavior, the conduct, the former conduct behind us. Okay, The conduct of the old man. Now, again... I know some folks believe differently from this. Search it out in scriptures, right? There are so many people in the body of Christ today who teach that we have a dual nature. My brother, my sister, you do not have a dual nature if you have been born again. If you have been born again, you now have the divine nature. You have the nature of, of, of God Himself uh, imparted, infused into the very spirit uh, being uh, that you truly are. Man, that gets me stirred up right there. But, but, but this is where people get confused. They say, well, it sure does seem like there's two of me in here, right? You know, the, the Bible talks about how you know, the, the Spirit is, is leading us one way and the flesh is pulling against that. But again, he's saying that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt. Where does that old man continue to live and how does he continue to live if, if Jesus effectively killed him and, and, and you died with him and were raised up together with him to newness of life, then where that old man lives now is not in your spirit. He, he lives in your mind. He, he's imprinted your thinking. He, he's, he's left a mark there. Amen. And this is why your mind needs to be renewed. Your mind needs to be reconditioned. It's not that the old man, the old nature, you know, I, I know, I think it was Petra, um, when we were growing up, it was a contemporary Christian rock group, you know, they used to talk, they sing a song about killing my old man, right? Well, again, that's, you know, some folks will hear that and think they were talking about, you know, sons killing their fathers. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the, the, the old man. And, and, and I was taught for years, you know, that I had, I had you know, these these two people inside of me. No, 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 no. One new man in Christ. Amen. But what, what does remain from that old nature, that old sin nature, that old man that I was, is a residue, if you will, on my thinking. He's, he left an influence on the way I think, the way I see myself, the way I see uh, Father, my, my Heavenly Father, the way, the way I see other people. And so he's saying that if we're going to put off the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, right? How, how do we do that? We, we, we have to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. 
Let's go to verse 24. He's talking about putting off one thing and putting on another. That you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now again, he's talking about putting on the new man you've already become. So through the new birth, you became a new man and the old man died. But the old man still lingers in our conduct because we tend to still think like that old man. And to the extent that you think like that old man, you're still going to live like that old man. But if you allow the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God to renew you in the spirit of your mind, this is how we put off the old man and the former conduct of that old man and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Wow, okay. Let's, I don't think we're going to have time to get to this part tonight so in, in, in its fullness, but I want to just bring it up now, all right, and then we'll move on to the next point. Discipleship is about a lot of things. And one of the key things discipleship is intended to do is to help you and me, right? The inward reality of a new birth, again, becoming an outward expression of life. You will, you will never live and enjoy and experience who you are in Christ if you still predominantly think of yourself in light of that old man instead of the new man that you've become. All right? Okay, let's keep going here. Number two. So why is renewing the mind so important? Number two, the renewing of the mind makes continual transformation possible for the born-again believer. The renewing of the mind makes continual transformation possible for the born-again believer. We've um, already looked at this once tonight. I'll put it back up on the screen. Romans chapter 12, verses 2, uh, Romans 12 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we say it makes continual transformation possible, transformation means change. Okay? And so when we were born again, our spirits were changed. Okay? But if your mind is never renewed or reconditioned to that change, it's quite possible for you to continue to live like nothing or very little has changed. So, the more our minds are renewed, because this is an ongoing process, the more our minds are renewed to the reality of our new birth, the more our lives are going to change to reflect that reality. So, I don't know what you may be facing tonight, but I want you for a moment just to pause to consider things that you have already outgrown as a believer, as someone who walks with the Lord. Maybe uh, there was a time in your life where you really struggled with gossip, but you've, out, you've outgrown it, right? Like a kid will outgrow, you know, uh, man, uh, Bethany and Jake. They got Oliver the coolest uh, potty chair I have ever seen. I mean, it looked like a miniature toilet. You put batteries in it, it even sounds like you flush it, right? Okay, so it's, it's time to break training uh, at the Lindsay household. My grandson is learning to use the potty, all right? So, uh, you know, that's something we all uh, had to learn, amen? There was a time when we all uh, wet our diapers, 
but praise God, we have outgrown that. We've, we've matured beyond that. Okay? So in the same way, so many of the things, remember, put off the old conduct, put on the new man, the renewing of the mind. And, and, I, and I wish I could tell you that that happens just like that. It's, not, it's, a, it's a progressive work. It's an ongoing work. It can be expedited. In other words, the more you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the more uh, you saturate your mind with the Word of God, the more you meditate on the, on the truth about who you are in Christ. Obviously, you know, this creates uh, an environment for the Holy Spirit to, 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 to renew your mind quickly. Um, the less you do these things, uh, the less you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, uh, the slower that process uh, is, is going to be. But the good news that I have for everyone listening to me tonight is that, is that not only is change possible, the Bible tells us how to experience it. Now, if you've never been born again, just changing the way you think will bring some change to your life, but the real transformation has to begin with the new birth. And then once we're born again, renewing our minds to that truth, to that reality. All right. Now, so the second thing, why is renewing the mind so important? Renewing of the mind makes continual transformation possible for the born-again believer. All right, let's go on to number three. Number three uh, is renewing the mind is important because you cannot rise above or operate beyond your thinking. You cannot rise above or operate beyond your thinking. And one of the things that um, I want you to, to begin to, to think of in terms of just your life and, 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 a, and a way to visualize this is that, is that your current uh, level of thinking prov, you know, creates the ceiling uh, that you will not be able to, to rise above. So if, if you have very limited uh, thinking, um, then that's going to translate into a very limited life. Uh, this is why we find all kinds of things in the Bible about all things are possible to him who believes. We, we see Jesus coming to take the limits off of our faith, to take the limits off of our, our born-again spirits. Um, you know, we see that he's the God who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Right? See, notice again... Um, but we limit him so much in the, in the way we think and what we believe is possible. All things are possible to him who believes. Um, but again, our thinking uh, determines those limits. And so, you know, we can't, even though we have the capacity to do all things, come on now, we, is that what the Word says? That you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you, right? Amen. But even though you have that ability how about Jesus said you would speak with new tongues. Jesus said, as born-again believer, you would lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Okay? All right? But you're not going to operate in that kind of ministry if, if, if your thinking limits you. Right? Are you, are you saying, man, I want you, I so, matter of fact, I, there are different things that, that I, um, say within myself, I practice it. In other words, I, I, I may, like if, if, if I'm uh, struggling, you know, going to sleep at night, I always try to get some thought going in my mind that I just repeat over, some truth, some Bible verse. And one of the things that the, the Lord's really uh, led me to here of late um, 
And uh, so I'm going I'm to show you how I say it. I, I confess over and over again, not out loud waking up the family, okay, but just over and over again under my breath, right? I lay my hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they recover to the glory of God the Father. I lay my hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they recover to the glory of God the Father. I lay my hands on sick people and sick people recover when I lay my hands on them to the glory of God the Father. I say it. Man, there's, there's nights, there's no telling how many times. You say, what, what are you doing, Pastor Mark? I'm renewing my mind. I'm renewing my mind to this. I'm, 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 I'm muttering that within myself. I'm building my faith. That's, all of that is biblical. That's what the Word of God says, right? These are truths within the Scriptures. But if, if I think nothing will ever happen if I lay my hands on somebody to pray for them, you see, I can't operate in who I am and, and what I'm called to do, right, if, if my thinking uh, you know, creates a, a, a barrier there, a wall there. Amen. And so, again, the wall, these limits are not imposed upon us by, by God. It's by our own thinking. Amen. Well, I praise God. Why don't, I, well, you just let the Holy Spirit lead you. But I'm just going to say it one more time, okay? I lay my hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, and they recover to the glory of God the Father. Amen. All right, let's go to number four. Number four, this is really important. Your behavior will always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself your behavior why is renewing the mind so important your behavior will always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself this is why the enemy has tried your entire life to to get you to believe lies um, uh, about yourself to, to try to get you to believe things and have opinions of yourself that do not line up with what uh, the word of God says uh, is true about you so your behavior will always line up with what you believe to be true about yourself I have seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in, in so many people that I've worked with over the years, and that is they try to behave in a way, right, that is opposite to what they believe about themselves. And you can only do that for so long until it all comes back into alignment. So we, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us understand who we truly are, the truth about who we are in Christ Jesus. And the more we think of ourselves, the more our opinions of ourselves line up with God's opinion uh, of, of you and me, the more that will be reflected in our behavior. So this is one of those key areas of faith. Um, you know, Jesus used his faith as a tool. Um, he used his faith to heal the sick. He, he used his faith uh, to feed people. Um, and, 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 you know, intentional, deliberate uh, actions with faith to make a difference in people's lives. And that is absolutely a, a beautiful aspect of faith, and it's something he taught us to do and trained us to do. But then we, we have another side of faith or, or another aspect of faith, and that, and that is how faith operates seamlessly, uh, almost unnoticed in our lives. And here's a classic example of this, right? Whatever you believe to be true about yourself, your behavior is going to line up with it. You will never change, you will never change behavior without identifying, you know, errant wrong behavior. You will never change destructive errant wrong behavior in your life without first identifying the underlying thinking and belief that's, that's fueling that behavior. Um, and so, anyway, praise God. So we don't, 
again, these are things that people don't necessarily understand about themselves. Um, but notice how the enemy understands this about you and is trying to utilize the ability that God created you with to believe um, against you, against you, right? And just listen, you know, again, listen to what people say about themselves. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you just listen to, in other words, ask the Holy Spirit to help you hear what you say about your own self. Amen. But praise God. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're making changes there. Amen. And the, and the Lord's helping us. All right, let's keep going. We're about out of time. Number five. Why is renewing your mind so important? Number five, you will always believe others. You will always believe others have an opinion of you equal to or less than the opinion you have of yourself. Okay? In other words, what, what you think about yourself is what you think other people think about you. How you see yourself is how you think other people see you. And so when we say equal to or less than, your opinion of yourself is, is the highest opinion, right, that you will think anybody, it's the high watermark, so to speak, that you will think anybody else has about you. Equal to or less than the opinion you have of yourself. We see this in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33. When the 12 spies went in to spy out the land, they came back, 10 of the spies had what, what the Bible calls an evil report, Joshua and Caleb, two of the spies, said, yes, there's challenges, but we are well, well able to overcome them with God. Let's go up at once and take what belongs to us. And notice what those ten spies said, verse 33. Therefore we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Notice they saw themselves as bugs waiting to be squashed. They saw themselves as, as less than and, and uh, uh, unable. Uh, they said we were grasshoppers in our own sight. And notice because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, their assumption was that the people in that land saw them as grasshoppers as well. Now we're not going to take the time to do it, but what we're going to find out is after that generation wandered around for 40 years and all died. A new generation uh, led by Joshua goes back into that promised land as spies and we find out that these folks all those years have literally been shaken in their boots in fear of the day that the nation of Israel crossed that Jordan River and come to take what belonged to them, what God said was theirs. But notice again, their, their thinking, their mindset, their, their self-esteem was uh, we are nothing more than grasshoppers. So the opinion you believe others have of you greatly impacts how you relate to and interact with them. I don't know if you've ever had, if you've ever tried to have a relationship with someone who was very insecure, someone who thought very poorly of themselves, but it is, it is a very draining friendship. It is a very draining um, relationship. And so, um, in, in order to fully understand what I'm trying to explain to you right now, uh, you have to understand the importance of relationship. You see what I'm saying? In, in other words, how you view yourself determines how you respond and relate to other people. And, of course, how you respond and relate to other people is one of the most 
important and influential, influential factors of your life. All right. Um, I think we got time for one more. All right. Number six. And this is a big one. Are you ready? Let's go ahead and make a decision before I show you number six. Okay. If you're, if you're sitting, you know, in your living room or den or you got somebody around you, uh, if you don't just say it out loud to the Lord, say, Lord, uh, or, or, or honey or whatever, I'm not going to be mad at him after he says this. Okay. All right. Don't be mad at me. Man, folks, it's, it's kind of those knee-jerk reactions. You know, people get very defensive when I start trying to talk to them about this. But just ask the Lord about it. He'll show you, okay? Number six, why is renewing your mind so important? It's because your emotions are produced by your thinking. Your emotions are produced by your thinking, okay? So that part of you the Bible calls your soul it's the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses. It's your mind, it's your emotions, and it's your will. And while we talk about the mind, we talk about the emotions, we talk about the will, the real key player in the soul is the mind. Because as our thinking, our thinking produces our emotions, and then what do emotions do? Emotion, nothing influences our choices more than our emotions. Okay, right? Come on now, that's why advertisers and all these other things, they're, they're trying to impact you, influence you emotionally, right? So again, the mind, the emotions, the will, the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, the part of you that chooses, that's your soul. It's not your spirit, it's not your body, it's your soul. Right? It's your mind, your emotions, your will. The way you think has everything to do with the way you feel, and then the way you feel has tremendous influence over the things that you choose or the things that you do. Just think about it for a minute. How, how many things in life, right, uh, have, have we avoided because we didn't feel like it, right? Things, good things, healthy things, wonderful things. The enemy is hoping that you will live by your flesh and live by your feelings instead of how you were created to live being led by your spirit. So your emotions produced by your thinking. Let me give you a couple of uh, verses on this. John 15, 11, Jesus speaking. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Okay? Let me show you another one. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, obviously there's a broad spectrum of emotions. Every emotion that you have the capacity to experience um, originated in God. God is an emotional being. Uh, Father God laughs. Father God gets angry. Um, we, we see all these things, right? And so we have the ability to experience emotions because we were created in the image and likeness of God. So Jesus, and I mean, you've got you know, an opportunity to do it. He's teaching them in John 15. Then he's teaching them in John 16. And so when he says, these things I've spoken to you, again, some very important things that he's just revealed to them. But what he's saying is, look, I'm, I'm telling you these things. And if, and if you'll receive these things, if you'll believe these things, if you'll allow these things to shape and influence and, 
and, and, and, and, and renew and recondition the way you think, right? These things will enable you to have peace, right? I spoke of these things to you that in me you may have peace. In, in, in chapter 15, he says, these things I've spoken to you, not just that you may have joy, but notice he says that my joy may remain in you. All right, now, if what I'm telling you is true, if what I'm telling you tonight is true, and it is, if thoughts are what generate emotions, okay, then if God's words communicate His thinking to us, that means His words can inspire His thoughts in us, which means His thoughts can produce His emotions in us. Man, that's straight up good news right there. All right, so he's a brilliant man, Dr. Neil T. Anderson. He gave a simple scenario that illustrates this better than I've ever heard anybody illustrate it. And I'm going to give you, I'm probably not giving this verbatim, amen, but I'm going to give it to you uh, the way I remember him explaining it, okay? Imagine for a moment that you've got, you know, just your dream job. Uh, you are, you know, corner office, making $150,000 a year, benefits, company car, um, just doing what you love. And, uh, you know, you humming and singing and whistling into your office on a Monday morning. Your first thing you do is turn on your computer, look out the window at the beautiful sun. Um, and when your computer comes up, it gives you that sound that your computer makes when you've got an email. You sit down at your desk, you open the email, and the email says, your position has been terminated. Please clean out your desk and, and exit the building. Right? Now, there's going to be a flood of emotions. Am I right about this? I mean, a flood of emotions. There's going to be sadness. Uh, there's, there's going to be disappointment. There's probably going to be some anger, um, maybe even some depression. Then the fear, because what am I going to tell my wife? And, and just this whole rush of, of emotions just, just gripping you and affecting you viscerally. And maybe your hand starts to tremble. You start to sweat, maybe even start to cry. Okay? And you're sitting there trying to gather yourself, and that computer makes that same sound again. Another email. You reluctantly look at it, and that email says, Oops, disregard last email sent to wrong person. Okay? Here comes another flood of emotion, right? Relief, exuberance, joy, new lease on life, riding high. Are you, are you, you follow what I'm saying here? Okay, now watch this. This is, again, a rough quote from Dr. Anderson. The information was incorrect, but the emotions were real. See this? It wasn't true. The job was never in jeopardy. You, they were never letting you go. Okay? But you were given wrong information. It wasn't true. But it doesn't matter if the information wasn't true. It still produced very real emotions in you. Okay? So again, why not, why not take the time to hear that story here at the end tonight? When, when we talk about renewing our minds, it's so important that our minds are renewed because the way we think is, it has so much to do with, with our emotions and the, and the way we feel. This is why the enemy is, is always wanting you to, to focus on negative things and, and imagine uh, uh, negative outcomes and, 
and rehashing and reliving old offenses. You know, I mean, man, there there are folks. You know, sometimes they'll you know talking to me about you know something that happened to them and somebody mistreated them and and you know you would think it happened 20 minutes ago and it happened 25 years ago, right? But it's it, it's very real and the emotions are very real. Why? Because again, they keep rehearsing that and rehashing that and and. If I had it to do over, this is what I should have said, and all, you know, reliving it over and over in their minds. Again, the enemy knows that if he can get us to, to, to do that in our thinking, in our minds, that it's going to continue to generate all these dominant negative emotions in our lives. Amen. Well, praise God, we're coming to the end tonight. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about this. And... Um, it's one of those things that uh, so many people do not understand. Um, I work with people almost on a daily basis that are struggling with different kinds of wrong behavior in their lives that they so desperately want to change but have no idea why it keeps coming back up again and again and again in their lives. They don't make the connection between the way they think and the way they conduct themselves, the way they walk, the way they live. How many born-again believers in the world today are living like outsiders, living like people who have no covenant with God when in actuality they have everything from Father God that Jesus has belongs to them. So do you see why we keep going back to that passage over and over again in Galatians? The heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from a slave, though he be lord of all. What does that child need to do? He needs to quit thinking like a child, understanding like a child, speaking like a child, living like a child. Right? He needs to think like a mature man or woman of God, understand like a mature man or woman of God, speak like a mature man or woman of God, so they can live like a mature man or woman of God. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your love tonight. Thank you for the things that you're teaching us and showing us. And Father, may we uh, take the things that you're showing us about the renewing of our minds and may we recommit ourselves tonight to cooperating together with you, to cooperate together with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God. Father, may we think about what we're thinking about. May you, through the Holy Spirit, uh, show us, Father, patterns of wrong thinking that are leading to patterns of negative emotions that are influencing patterns of wrong behavior. Father, show us how wrong thinking and, and low self-esteem, feelings of unworthiness that, that um, tend to persist in, in some of our lives, how those things are affecting the way we respond to, the way we relate to, our families, our spouse, our children, our bosses, our co-workers, even to you, Father. Um, we see it so beautifully displayed, Lord, that this father welcomed. He ran and fell on his, his youngest son's neck and kissed him and gave him a ring and a robe and sandals and, and welcomed him home. Yet the whole time, the whole time that young man was resisting that grace, pushing it away. Father, because of what he believed to be true about himself. Paul said it this way, that he will not set aside the grace of God. Lord, we're not going to set it aside 
Lord, we're going to humble ourselves and receive it with gratitude and understanding, Lord, that you're helping us. Lord, as we um, say goodnight, Lord, this evening, I just thank you that, that, that everybody listening to me now, when they lay their heads down, Lord, that they're not going to fear arising COVID cases. They're not going to worry about uh, financial matters in their lives, Lord, that, that as they do and the enemy tries to, in that moment where we, we're, we're seeking rest and he tries to bombard our minds with, with wrong thinking, Father, that we're going to get some beautiful truth from you in our hearts and minds and we're going to rehearse it until we drift off to sleep in Christ. And Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Tell somebody around you good things coming. We'll see you Sunday in person at 1030. And uh, we are excited about it. Amen. You have a good night.